Greetings, travelers. The following episode has a special guest, which sometimes means they say things that might be controversial. We also have some audio difficulties, but we think it's worth your trip. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. I'm going to be oh. musical this whole month, Mark. Oh, I, I, because it's the haunted holidays. It right? is. We're getting near the end, though. Yule has come. This is the day after, I think. This airs the yeah. day after the stolen holiday that involves yeah, the, the day after solstice. We made it you know, through all the holidays. I think there's still a couple. Kwanzaa and a couple others are still coming. I was going to say, we haven't made it through all the holidays, which means... No, no, we still got New Year's coming too. But I I will say, we did our episode on holiday movies, and I had brought up Bernard and the Genie as like one of my favorites. You know, a guy who finds a genie and all that. Well, what's funny is Peacock Network remade that. With Alan Cumming again, but this time instead of him as the guy who finds the genie, he's playing the bad guy part that Rowan Atkinson played in the original. And it's got a whole new cast. It's been updated for modern times. And it's just called Genie. Uh, I got a few letters from travelers who said, hey, this sounded an awful lot like this movie Genie. I'm like, oh, that's because it's a remake. Feel like the travelers were saying, "Hey, Mark, you're old and not paying attention to modern movies in modern times." Is that That's, what's happening? That, that is quite possible. That is quite possible. But so, yes, gang, you can watch that for your streaming pleasure if you prefer to have Melissa McCarthy instead of the classic BBC movie with Rowan Atkinson. Well, so. as we have discussed on many occasions, I think it warrants watching both because the British version of things and the American version of things can be very different, but yet pleasing to the eye oh yeah as we discussed on ghosts so yes well we're we're gonna have a whole episode on our favorite ghost tv shows and movies here well, shortly all right enough of this bantering because we have a special guest who's been waiting patiently in our exorbitant green room and uh we're probably running out of m&ms very quickly back there so um i wanted to have this gentleman on he and i go way back we've talked many a time We've uh, presented several things together. We once both judged a Bigfoot call contest at a at a convention, uh, Sci-Fi Barto, actually. And uh, that was a blast. But this is the man, the myth, the legend, the legend tripper, Robert Robinson. Welcome, Robert. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course, as you heard from our great studio audience cheering behind that's outside of the green room, Mark, you're just making up places now. I'm just saying. That's, in my mind, that's how it should be working. Bo, throw in some like laugh track and stuff here. I yeah. will. And I'll put more M&Ms in the green room, too. All right. Thanks. <laughs> you got to go into that. It's terrifying. Um, Robert, can you, because um, I already know Mark's going to fanboy, which he does when he has people he admires like you on the show, he has a problem. Would you tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you got into legend tripping? Uh, okay. Um, I grew up uh, an army brat, 
Uh, my uh, dad is in the military. My mother uh, is from Edinburgh, Scotland. I went to, you know, grew up, you know, basically all over the world. Uh, joined the Army right out of high school. Served for uh, uh, over 21 years. Retired in 2003. Thank you for teach, your service. I now teach, uh, uh, when I'm not out legend tripping, <laughs> I teach JROTC at... Uh, at Rich Community High School in uh, Davenport, Florida. As far as legend tripping, I got into it at the early age of, uh, of having a, a, a movie, you know, scare the crap out of me called The Legend of Boggy Creek. You know, went to the drive-in with the family, didn't know what it was, saw the movie, you know, saw that it was a true story, started going um, to school and asking about it, come to find out there's other uh, legends out there, you know, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, and other things, and I uh, read some books, Ivan T. Sanderson, and some other stuff, and I just kind of been a, uh, I wouldn't say as much as a passion, it's just definitely something that I, I enjoy uh, researching. I didn't really get serious, I mean, I was pretty much just a person that used to read stuff and go look at stuff. I didn't really get into it until after I retired. And of course, then I, you know, I you know, in the military, you don't really have enough time. Unfortunately, to go do a lot of stuff you want to do, but I got into it when, right when I retired uh, down here in Florida. I hooked up with some people, you know, the DRFO with Matt Moneymaker and them to go on some uh, Bigfoot hunts, some other investigators. My wife had an interest in the paranormal, so I would go on ghost hunts with her, and then she would go out, you know, in the woods with me looking for uh, the skunk ape. Here in Florida, that's what we call a Bigfoot here. And just had an interest. I also had an interest in uh, uh, ufology, you know, extraterrestrials and stuff like that. I'm a big fan of the TV show In Search Of. That, that was another show that kind of fueled my interest. And I got the idea to write a book from Charlie Carlson, the author of Weird Florida. Uh, he had invited me to come up and do some presentations. And he, at the end of one of the presentation, when me and him were talking, he says, you need to put that in, you know, take what you do and put it into a book. So my first book, Legend Tripping, uh, Ultimate Family Adventure, I had the wrong publisher. The, she didn't really understand what it was that we were trying to do. And the book came, was a disaster. You know, thank God, I don't think there's that many copies of it out there. But David Hatcher Childress, uh, one of the uh, hosts on the TV show Ancient Alien, he has a, uh, a publishing firm called Adventures Unlimited Press. He somehow got a hold of, one, got a hold of the book. And he called me and said, you know, Robert, I, I got your book, Legend Tripping. And I said, I like it, but you missed the mark on it. I said, I know. I didn't have the right publisher. He goes, well, we need to redo it. And I got a publishing company here. I need you to rewrite it. Let's take all some of this stuff out about parenting and all that, because people didn't pick up your book to, you know, to read about parenting. They want to they know about legends. They want to know where to go, what to do, what to take with them. And uh, some, you know, little tips and stuff. So with his help, I rewrote it. And, uh, you know, he, with his uh, company, we published it. And it did really well. And after a while, he came back to me and said, okay, your book's doing good. What are you going to do for a second one? And I said, wow, I didn't really think about a second one, you know. So he said, uh, well, you call me back in about five minutes and tell me what you're going to do. I went, oh, five minutes, huh? <laughs> so I sat here, in fact, in this very chair I'm sitting here thinking, man, what, what's, you know, I did a, a legend trivia about the United States. 
I said, well, the only thing, you know, popped in my head was the world. You know, I was thinking maybe I should hit another country, but I said, why not just do the whole world? And I called him up. I said, what about international legend trick? He said, fine, get writing. <laughs> you know? He said, use your first book as a format. He said, but and I'm going to throw some ideas at you, certain things I want you to look at, like um, uh, mer uh, mermaids. I call them aquatic humanoids in my book, but I was really surprised how many legends of these, you know, underwater humanoids are, are these things are seen all over the world you know yeah and people really believe you know in the mermaid legend dogman has become very popular uh and i get always asked what's the difference between dogman and a werewolf well a werewolf is a, a human that turns into a wolf whereas a dogman seems to be a, a bipedal canine type cryptid so i i did again i was surprised to find out how many places this animal has been seen all over the world as well and of course, Bigfoot. Bigfoot's not just the United States. You know, you got the Yeti in uh, the Himalayas. You got the Yaren that's seen in China. You got the Alma or Almista, which is seen over in Scandinavia. You know, e England has a uh, legend of the, the big green man, you know, which some people may, you know, think actually may be uh, a Bigfoot. You know, down in all parts of South America, these things are seen. And then, you know, some places that don't hardly, you know, believe in it. China pretty much has put, said, yeah, well, we, we have one. Back to the books. <laughs> I went on a tangent there. We have no idea what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea being on a podcast with Mark what it's like to go on tangents at all because he never does that. Well, let's say I, I, I call it a guidebook. I call it a fully illustrated guidebook on how to go look for legends. You know, I, I had my, my son, I said, if you were to come up and ask me about it, what questions would you ask me? So, well, what is Bigfoot now? Where is Bigfoot seen? Where do you go look for Bigfoot? Where do I go on the internet to find out about Bigfoot? What do I take with me to go look for Bigfoot? What should I be careful of? When I... So I use that as what my son kind of came to me as the guidebook for all kinds of stuff. I touch in the, uh, in the legend tripping about looking for lost treasure. You know, I'm surprised that every country has different laws about looking for treasure. Like in Egypt, you're not allowed to go treasure hunting in Egypt. It's more. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, Britain really pretty much raped Egypt of a lot of its, you know, buried treasure out there, you know, the, all the stuff, the pharaohs and all the mummies and all that stuff. So, they, yeah, 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 it's pretty much you're not allowed to, to go out there and do any of that. But, uh, you know, like I said, I was just it's something that I, I enjoy. And Lyle Blackburn once told me, he said, you don't write a book to make money. You write a book to share your passion with people. You want people to read the book and, and want to go out and do that stuff. Not, you know, writing a book is not about becoming a millionaire. It's about, you know, sharing your passion with other people. No, totally. And I can say that a thousandfold for many reasons that I wish people would pay attention to that. So I think it's unique. And I, I know Mark's going to jump in with questions. But what I think is unique is they it's a how-to guide. Because we get asked a lot from travelers about doing things. And we always warn people, like, we, we're not experts at all. And we know just enough to be dangerous at Trivial Pursuit with a lot of the stuff that we know. And when I hear people want to get into this, I'm like, there are so many dangers, not just because of the creatures themselves, but going into certain environments and things like that, that you don't just you know, grab a tent and go off in search of dog man. Like that's not a good plan. Let's call that not plan A or B, you know? So I think it's very interesting. You chose to approach it from that perspective. 
I know you said your son gave you a lot of questions, but did you have a lot of experiences where you're like, okay, don't ever do this. Like I did this thing. Don't ever do it. Absolutely. In fact, you know, I always say don't go in the woods by yourself. And when you do go in the woods, don't ever think, you know, it's just going to be a day trip. I, when I go out, I have a, a backpack in case something should happen and I get stuck out there and I'm out there for the night. I am able to take care of myself. I have been out with many people uh, at the beginning who just thought, oh, yeah, we're just going to go out for the day, walk around and got lost. And now mm -hmm. they're stuck out there for the night. You know, I tell people like uh, when they're doing uh, paranormal investigations, if the place is off limits, don't go in there. It's yep. against the law. You know, you're breaking the law. You know, there are plenty of places out there that you can go and do a paranormal investigation and not break the law. Because that's nothing worse than breaking into a place and then all of a sudden the police show up. Well, your whole legend trip has just come to a screeching halt right there. And, of course, and you're going to get fined. You may end up getting, you may get arrested depending on, you know, the location that you're at. I, I try to stress because I have a lot of young young kids starting to get into this and i never touch on you know the whole uh demonology and stuff like that i'll leave that alone i mean that to me is a legend trip you know that's something yeah. entirely different i do say you know if you're taking kids out uh, with a ghost hunt just be careful because things happen and it, it can really mess with the uh, kid you know because you know they see something and then you know it can mess with them for the rest of their life where they may not be able to totally understand it whereas a teenager would be better, you know, I always say don't ever take young kids on a ghost hunt. Teenagers are okay, but not young kids. No, I, I agree. And I think, I mean, I think some young kids can be very interested and children surprise us, but don't do it because you want to do it. Do it because some reason they said they want to do it and start off on baby steps. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, yeah, you could, because you never know what's going to happen. Regardless of the legends or anything like that, just life can be very interesting in a lot of these circumstances mark do you want to ask questions because i know it's killing you <laughs> no i just want to say yeah robert when we first met your first book had just come out and we were talking about various places you had visited here in florida and you had done a recent tour with uh, i believe david sidoti of the independent sasquatch research team and that's yeah. when I was like, hey, I'm 50 with epilepsy and I can't go on these trips, but you guys can. And I would love to you know, to team up with you all. And I got to go with David on a trip, but I never got to go with you on a trip. I felt bad about that. But David was showing me places you guys had visited just the week before mm -hmm. and were showing you know signs of stuff. So when you go out hunting, what signs do you look for for, let's say, a Bigfoot or a skunk well, well, obviously, the first thing you look for is footprints. You look to see if branches have been broke down and formed some kind of a, uh, a structure. Again, we haven't figured out what it is. When we're out and about, you know, we do the wood knocks, see if anything responds. A funny story, one night I was out with some ghost hunters over in the uh, green swamp, and I did a wood knock, and sure enough, we heard another wood knock. I said, oh, my goodness, we, we got some, so I, I did it again. And another thing we got it again, and I was like, huh. So I got on the phone and I texted Dave Sadati <laughs> and I said, hey, what are you guys, what are you doing? Are you out, what are you up to? He goes, hell yeah, I'm out here, man. 
I said, we just got some interaction. And I just hit a, a wood knock, and I had another wood knock come back. I said, hold on a second. And I hit it again. He goes, oh. I said, did you just hear one? He goes, yeah, I just heard it. I said, dude, I think that's me. I said, I want you to do a wood knock, Dave. And he did one. I said, dude, we're, we're <laughs> on the other side of the green swamp. And, you know, it was funny. He just, he got a kick out of it, too. But, I mean, you know, it was just one of those rare occurrences where he was out with his group and I was out with my group on the other yep. side. And that the skunk funny. tape is watching both of you just shaking its yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I always say that about when people do their, their screens. I always, in my mind, picture like when you walk up to a cat and go, meow, you know, and the cat just looks at you like, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're trying to sound like us? And I really think that these animals, the uh, skunk apes, are doing the same thing when we're out there, Ooh! and they're like, is that a human trying to imitate us? I think so. <laughs> Let's see where this goes, you know? So, um, I mean, that's my own personal thing. I don't think these animals, I mean, I think they know the difference between them and a human trying to imitate. I think that's very true. It's interesting because it's kind of like all everything else that we try to imitate, like duck sounds and stuff. I know some people have gotten really good at that, right? Mm -hmm. The duck noise, but no. And I think they're very highly, they evade us all the time. They are very highly intelligent mm -hmm. creatures. So You've got to think they're sitting around going, hey, I got a good idea. You know what we should do? Let's bend down all these branches in a weird shape and tie them. <laughs> and then we're going to let the humans guess what that means. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got to wonder if they have any degree of practical joking going on. With yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, I do agree with your statement that they are very intelligent. I mean, look at them. They've been able to avoid man all this time. And I, you know, made a comment about expert. And I was, you know, so are you an expert on Bigfoot? I said, no. In fact, I don't think there is actually an expert out there. And the reason I say it, I said, let's use Jane Goodall as an example. Jane Goodall is an expert on gorillas. You go up to Jane and say, Jane, I, I need you to show me gorillas. Jane can show you gorillas. Now, you come up to me and say, Rob, you're an expert on, on skunk ape. Show me a skunk ape. I'm not going to be able to show you a skunk ape. I can show you where the, the sightings and stuff, I consider myself, along with uh, Mark there, I consider some very top researchers, but I don't consider myself an expert on this animal because I can't produce one. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad, actually, I, we love when people say that because in a lot of the uh, preternatural field, as Mark kind of eloquently brought up, Shirley Jackson said it, preternatural stuff, we just don't know what it is. To say you're an expert on it when we don't know what it is completely, like we have some ideas, some guesses, but we don't know what it is, is kind of silly. You know, it's kind of like ghost hunting. You could be familiar with it. You could have done a lot of research, but that doesn't mean you're an expert at it. No, you could be experienced at it, but expert. Yes. I, like I said, I go look for other stuff in other states and I have to talk to a lot of people. I do listen. But unfortunately, I have also ran into people who I, I believe are not telling the truth about what they really saw. Right. You know, the hoaxing. Sad to say that, you know, somebody said, well, give me, an, you know, out of 10 people, how many do you really believe saw something? And the sad part is, at this point in time, I'd say two out of 10. Wow. When uh, Finding Bigfoot was down in Maika, I was down there. I could, you know, I could just sense people that were just trying to get on TV. The people that I have run into, and I've run into some who saw something they couldn't explain. And the thing about it I really impressed was, is they can tell you everything they did that day to, to a T. 
And when you ask them a question, at no time do they go, hmm, let me think. They have the answer. You know, this lady saw it over in the Crystal River. I mean, every question I asked, there was none of that. Well, let me think about it. I wasn't looking in that dog. She knew it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she could tell me everything. When she got up that morning, when she got, I mean, the detail is just, and the gentleman that saw it in 2012 out in the green swamp, same thing, the, you know, the detail. Because, uh, you know, when these people really see this thing, I believe it's a life-changing event for them. Because, you know, in their mind growing up, they're told there's no such thing as the boogeyman. There's nothing under the bed. There's nothing in the closet. Nothing. There's no monsters in the woods. And lo and behold, they see this large, hairy, man-like looking creature who is very, you know, is very scary looking. I've never had anybody who I believe saw it, told me they saw it. Oh, it looked like a nice little big teddy bear. They thought the thing <laughs> was very menacing. You had a very, you know, menacing look on its face. So that messes with you. You know, your mind's going through like, holy cow, they're real. And it is, it's, it's, you can tell the people it's literally shaken their core and it, it changes them. It, it, it really does. And that's why people go, Oh, I've, I, I don't believe, I, I don't believe, I don't, I've, I've never seen it. And I don't know anybody who has. I'm like, Yeah, it's true. Nine times out of 10, nobody has, but it's those ones that do see it and it shakes them. And when we interview them or we talk to them, it's, a whole new ball game and that goes for ghosts that goes for ufos that goes for any of the you know the preternatural stuff yeah and i think also to your point is what is behind doing it i think a lot of people that talk to us at least are travelers out there we're some of the first people they've ever told this story to because they didn't want people to think they were crazy in what they saw or somebody said, hey, you should tell Erie Travels your story, right? And we share them. And if people want to remain anonymous, we do that. But I think that's part of it. The people that run and go, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that was really quick. That was yeah. quick to jump to that. Well, I had yeah. a lady we interviewed one time over at the uh, during the uh, Finding Bigfoot. And she made a comment. She was driving home late at night. And by this place called Horse Horse Creek, and the animal walked out in front of her over to the other side, and went over a fence, and she pulled over, and she got out of her car, and she went down there to look where it was at. And I was like, "Were you by yourself?" "Oh yes." I said, "Did you have anything with you, like a gun or something?" And they said, "Oh no, 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 no." And I said, "You didn't have any problem getting out of the car, going down there to look at this thing, you know?" "Oh no." I said, "Well, I don't believe you." I'm sorry. I really don't. Because nobody in the right mind would go do something like that, you know. Well, I wasn't scared. I said, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Especially, you know, you said you didn't, you know, you told me you didn't even have a flashlight. You know, you you're walking in an area without a flashlight. I said, that doesn't make any. But I did go out to that area. and I did go look around. And I, I was walking around the fence line over by the creek. And then I was coming back to the car and I said, hey, uh, Excuse me, sir. And I look by, and there's a guy standing at the fence. I said, "Oh, I just look around." Somebody said they they saw something. He said, "Well, my cows got out the other night. Almost got hit by a car." I said, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah." And I said, "I wonder if she just saw some cows or something that just kind of..." Or that guy or, looking or for his cows. <laughs> morphed the story into something else. But I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a difference between a bipedal uh, creature and a and a cow, you know. <laughs> 
you would hope, but angles in light, angles in light is all I'm going to say. It could have been. I just, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I think she got mashed. You call me a liar. So I'm not calling you anything. I'm just telling you, I don't believe the story. You know, I'm sorry. I don't. If somebody is so quick, because the people I feel who have, besides people who do research and are out intentionally trying to interact with these creatures. And I'm going to say that because I hate the word hunting. I'm not a fan of the word hunting. But besides people who are intentionally doing that, I feel the majority of the stories that we've heard have what Mark said, which is that fear. This is not a pleasant experience running into most of these creatures at all. It is like our own, the people call it the lizard brain. Like our lizard brain goes, we're in danger. You know, (laughs) that core part of us goes, you're in danger. Don't do this. So nobody would be like, I'm going to get out of my car. Let me, let's go look. I mean, if I had my my trusty shotgun and then I go get out of the car, if I was, you know, that person, I'm not. But if I was, maybe. But no, my lizard brain would be like, make sure the windows are rolled up and locked and get the hell out of there as soon as humanly possible. I have talked, so I've talked to people who have seen it from their car. And the first thing they say is, windows up, lock the doors. The, the ones that always get me are the the ones that always start with, a, I know this sounds crazy, but, yeah, and I, when they start it with that, that's when I go, okay, there's there's something to this. Because those are the ones that pique my interest because it always is something unusual about it. And that's the stuff I really like is when there's something that doesn't make sense with the sighting. It's, it's not a A, B, C plot. It's like an A, C, D, J, Q plot something weird happened and it went in a completely different direction and those are the ones i give actually a little more credence to because why would you make that up you know you want it to be oh i saw the thing by the side of the road i followed it down the hill it went into a cave and you know that that makes sense but if it's i saw it was the weirdest thing it was in the middle of the road the next thing was on the side of the road it must have taken a step but i didn't see it and then you know and it's like those are the stories i go wait a minute okay now we got let's Let's keep that going. That's why guys like you and me, where we tend to, we don't just go, okay, it's just Bigfoot. It's just this. It's just that. I like when we can blur the lines and figure out, all right, there's more to this than than meets the eye. Mark, guess what we have to do? Oh, is it break time? It is break time. All right. Well, let's get a word from our wonderful sponsors. Greetings, travelers. Now available on Audible and other audiobook platforms, Eerie Appalachia. Join us, won't you, as we discuss creatures like the Popelik Monster, the White Fangs, the Snallygaster, the Wampus Cat, the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp, Bunny Man Bridge, and the Ohio Grassman. All these creatures and more await you if you dare listen to Eerie Appalachia. Presented by Mark Muncy, History Press, and Four Horsemen Publishing. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. 
check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeer.com. We're back. Yes, we're back. We are. And our guest didn't disappear. So that's always a promising thing. <laughs> very, very good. So, Mark, you had a whole plan on what you wanted to talk about on the second part of this episode. Okay, yeah. So, so Robert, now we've kind of discussed how you kind of start. What, what are some of your essential items that you must take on, let's say, let's flip gears a little bit. Instead of Bigfoot hunt, ghost hunt. What are the essential items, you think? Uh, well, with every ghost, uh, with every, oh, darn near every legend trip I go on, I have to, I have a flashlight. I also, uh, I do research of the area before I go into it. Make sure I know exactly what I'm getting myself into, especially with the paranormal. If it's uh, a location where the owner has invited us to come in, you know, we sit down, just like they kind of do on the TV show, you go over with the owner. I'd like to do a walkthrough during the daytime and really see what the, the location of the place looks like. Um and of course, any hazards that we need to be aware of. And some stuff that, you know, the owner doesn't want us, you know, I don't want you guys going around this place because, you know, this is really expensive, you know, be aware of that. Yeah. And, you know, we honor the uh, the owner's request. If he doesn't want us to go into a certain room, we don't go there. Uh, we take a, uh, oh, my wife's got all that ghost hunting equipment, you know, the, uh, oh God, I'm drawing a blank on this stuff. You mean like the EMF and stuff yes, like that? there you go, the EMF and all that. I have a, a little thing that I got over at Home Depot where you aim it and you can pick up uh, temperatures. For temperature. oh, laser thermometer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else do we go? Recorders. We always take the record, bring out recorders and put them in a different room. We have objects that we uh, might put a camera on to see if it moves, especially if it's in a, a location where there's been a lot of activity. Unfortunately, I'm one of those people. Uh, if I sit down, especially at night, I'm probably going to fall asleep. I have to get up. <laughs> I can't just sit around and wait for something to happen. I, uh, I you know, I've, I've teamed up with some people, uh, some ghost paranormal groups, uh, and uh, you know, they bring out some of these really high tech equipment. You know, uh, the voice or the ghost box. My wife yeah. wants one of those. Maybe uh, it's really neat how that works. So night vision goggles, you know, which I bring that out for when I'm not looking for the big hairy guy. A thermo, I have a thermo, which, you know, it doesn't hurt to have that whenever you're out. Um, a plan, you have to have a plan where you're not stamping on each other. I have been to some ghost hunts where you have all these ghost hunters in this one location, all doing this, and, you know, and you can't hear anything. I hate those big open, all right, everybody's invited to this yes, investigation, yes. and 200 people show up. And it's a three-room house. Yeah, you're going to get some EVPs, but it's not EVPs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exciting, and it's great to be, hang out with people that have the same interest in you. But I always like it to say, well, let's everybody out. We're going to send two people in at a time. And why don't you keep your uh, phone on, and we'll, you know, or we'll kinda, we can watch you on the cameras and stuff. What I don't like is that you get to some places, and the people charge you an arm and a leg to go in there. Yeah, and unfortunately, it does happen. Like we've had a couple places, old older theaters, and they want a lot of money. And it's not so much for them as they have to have one of their uh, caretakers stay in there with you, and you're actually paying him to work overtime to yeah. babysit us in there. Because I mean, you know, like uh, I'll use a Tampa theater. I don't know if you've ever been in the Tampa theater yep. in uh, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Is that a neat looking place? I've never got to do a paranormal, but I would love to. But I understand it's not cheap because you're actually paying the caretaker to, to make. Yeah, food. you're paying a docent to be there, you know, after hours in most museums. You're doing mm -hmm. that in a lot of places, plus liability. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, there are, there is a reason that some of these places charge an arm and a leg. But then there's also some that are willing to work with you. If you're willing to work with them, you know, make sure they're getting the publicity for this. They're getting oh, yeah. that and all that. So, you know, reach and out. Course, That's step yeah, one. Reach course, out, yeah. get permission. And of course, they can get to see the evidence before you put it out. There. Mm -hmm. That's something I always tell the owners. We will come to you. We will show you what we found. If you don't want us to put it out there, that's fine, you know, because it is, you know, you, you own the place. Uh, we did uh, one at Bartow High School because it's a really, really old. One of the portions of the building is really, really old. And it's funny thing is, is the um, the custodial workers that work there, they will go clean up that place. At first thing, when the kids all leave, because they don't want to be there at night when it gets dark <laughs> because they've heard stuff happen over there. They don't want to go to that part of the school. So the, I was talking to the principal. He said, and it's, you know, I'd love to do a ghost hunt. He said, sure, here's the keys. You know, yeah. he said, just let you know, if anything happens, Rob, it's on you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and we did. We got some feedback on some of the, the recorders that we put out. And uh, we came out of there thinking, oh, yeah, there's something definitely going on. And uh, we were the only ones in the building. There was only five of us. You know, and the rest four of us would stay in one area where one would walk around and he would tell us where he was going. And you could hear stuff going on in other places. I said, well, it was the wind and all this. We're inside, inside an enclosed building. That was a neat one, you know. And again, we next morning, we showed the principal what we had. And we asked if we could put it out there and said, yeah, go for it. I think that'd be great. You know? Paranormal, like I said, go, sons. I've seen people invest a lot of money. And then all of a sudden, they don't get anything. And they bought all this stuff. And they get really destroyed. I mean, when you look for a legend, it's got to be the, the thrill of the hunt. Why do you do it? The thrill of the hunt. When I go out looking for Bigfoot, I, I know darn well I'm probably not going to see anything. Yet. You know, these animals just don't step up there and say, oh, hi, Rob, we wait for you to come out here. Here we are. You know, it's going to be a chance encounter. I get to see this thing, you know, like the people I told you. But it's not going to happen unless I get out there and at least look. Same thing with ghost hunting. You're not going to experience anything unless you get out there and go. You may not experience anything that first time, but if you keep it up, Eventually, you're going to, you know, it's going to pay off. And it, it you know, like I said, it's just, it's enjoyable. It's just a thrill of stuff out there that we don't, you know, science hasn't quite put their finger on. You know, yeah. I had a scientist one time tell me, there's nothing in science that says there can't be a Bigfoot out there. It's just that we haven't found anything. He says, but we have you guys out there, and once you find it, we're going to take it away from you. <laughs> We're going to take over the investigation. Like they did the giant squid, you know? Yep. For a long time, it was just a legend. When they finally found it, the uh, scientists who swooped in, and now they're studying this animal. You know, the same thing with uh, this, uh, the, uh, the hairy bipedal, you know, Bigfoot, the skunk ape, you know, the falc monster, uh, the grass man, different names, different places. I think once we get something that, you know, science is going to step in. And unfortunately, like somebody told me one time, you know, oh, I, I, I'm not going to, you know, if I find a dead Bigfoot, I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody. Well, you you know, you're going to end up telling somebody and it's yeah. going to get back to them. 
and just let you know the government by law can come take it away from you. If you have an unknown animal, they by law can come take it away from you. You can't say, oh, you're, you're, you're. yes, they can. There is a law about that. You know, okay. every state has that. An unknown animal, they have to because they have to know what it is. If the animal has, is carrying any diseases or anything they own, they have to. I always joke with people, and so if I ever find a, a dead Bigfoot, I'm going to put it in the back of the truck and find me the nearest Wendy's because they have a huge freezer in Wendy's. And I'm going to throw it in there, and I'm going to call all my friends, here, get over here before the government takes this away from me. You know, I'll call Jeff Muldrum, Lyle Blackburn, and say, get over here. And then, you know, government say, oh, we're taking it away from you. Oh, okay. Uh, I told all these people about it, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> we're taking it away from you. That's cool. I got my pictures. I'm good. And then I can get a Dave's double while I'm on my way out. It's all good. <laughs> okay. Mark, oh, yeah. you would then consider eating from the same Wendy's that has a giant dead Bigfoot in the freezer. It's a souvenir. That, that's not how that works. That's not a thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Rob, what are some of your favorite cases that you've worked on? Well, like I said, those two that I, I, I talked to you about, the gentleman at uh, Thanksgiving 2012 had walked right in front of him in the green swap. He said, I, Mark, I know I've told you this. Uh, yeah, but let's tell the videos. listeners. Yeah. Yeah. 2012, he was, uh, he was hunting. Six o'clock in the morning out of, uh, out of the Green Swamp, which is uh, north of Lakeland. And he was sitting in a tree stand. I had a, a palmetto field in front of him. And there was a light mist on the ground. Again, the, the sun hadn't quite got up yet. And he caught some movement walking in front of him over to his left. Oh, before that, he was sitting there playing on his phone. And he caught moving on the eye. And he looked over and the thing was walking about. And he, at first, he thought it was a, a, another hunter. And then he looked over at it and noticed whatever it was that was walking across the field was walking very fluidly through the palmetto field where humans have a very clumsy, you know, especially at night or especially, you know, in the dark. And it was very walking, very fluid, and it wasn't carrying a gun. I said, well, did you think it was a guy in the gill? He said, no, I didn't really possibly, you know, because it was kind of a distance from where I was at. And then it stopped. And he said, that's when I could look and see it. And it was, it had reddish brown hair. It was stood, it was well over six foot tall and it was sniffing the air. So he took his phone and he, he put on the, uh, the record mode and started to film it. It seemed like just as he started filming, the thing turned around and looked right over at him. And he said a chill shot down his spine when he realized this wasn't a guy in a suit. It was a real, it was a real animal. And he said the thing just looked at him and he stopped filming because he didn't know if the thing was going to come charging at him or what. So he stopped filming and put his hand, you know, hand on his gun because he didn't know what the, again what the animal was going to do. But anyway, he took off running in a different direction, and which he was really relieved. And he got on the phone and he called his son and his dad, and they came running up. And the son told me that his dad was in hysterics, and he said it took him. They were trying to coax him to get him out of the tree stand, and it was, he just was really, uh, he was scared and he was excited, but he was just, you know, he was blabbering about it and all that stuff. So they got him home, and he went right to his room, and he went to, he laid down in his bed. I mean, it just really messed with him that much. Yep. And in fact, they didn't come to me for like two weeks after it happened. In fact, it was after Christmas vacation he came to me, and he showed me the film. And he was really hesitant to go back out there and show me where, where he saw it. But he said, okay, I'll, we'll go. Because he said, Dad, I'll, I'll, I'll drive, I'll go, and we'll take, you know, John Robinson and his wife out there. 
And he took me to the location, showed me the tree stand, and he showed me where the thing was standing. And I went over there and stood and took some pictures. My wife got on the tree stand, took some pictures. And you could see what, and showed me the film, which unfortunately is not a good quality because, again, you know, this wasn't a setup deal where he was looking, you know, he had everything in place. It was just a, it was a flip top phone, too, that he had, just to let you know. And the thing actually appears further away because of the, uh, the way the phone is, the way the, the, the records, than it actually was. But you can see when I, where I stood out there, where it was filmed, that it was a lot taller than I was. And, of course, I looked around to make sure it wasn't a fall log or something. And uh, he said, well, which direction did it go? It went this way. Well, we did find footprints. But, unfortunately, they were all filled with water. Because, again, this was a time, you know, and they weren't. I did try to take some castings, but they didn't amount to anything. They didn't look like footprints, you know. But, uh, again, everything I ever, you know, every question I asked, the man had an answer. And he didn't want to go on TV. He didn't want to be interviewed on the cameras and all this. He said, I don't, you know, this is something that I still have to come to grips with, you know, and I'm not sure I want people giving me a hard time telling me I'm, I'm stupid or crazy that I didn't see what I saw. I know what I saw. You know, yeah. I don't want people calling me a liar. And, you know, I, I believe him. I really believe he saw something. I mean, it just... And it's funny, too, because his dad said, you know, I've been out here 30 years. I've heard the stories of this thing, and you got to see it, and I didn't. 30 <laughs> years he's been out, you know, hunting this place, and, you know, his dad didn't see it, but yet he did. One other story, we have the, uh, and I know Mark knows about it, and I still like to take a shot at it, is the uh, the Wonder House in Bartow. Yeah. I got to go in there with the previous owner before the lady that lives there now did. Prislin, yeah. Yes. We had her on the show recently. The gentleman that lived there, he didn't really come clean, but his son was there. And his son said, yeah, we, we get doors that close on us and stuff. And it seemed to happen a lot when we were doing, you know, changing stuff around the house. You know, and I hear stories where the, say, the original owner is now haunting the place, you know. And he doesn't like what's going on to this house, so he starts to, you know, do stuff, make his presence known. Whereas I understand, I don't, I've only talked to this, uh, the lady that lives there, um, I think I've talked to her twice. And she fully embraces the fact that, you know, there may be paranormal, but again, and she doesn't want her groups going in there to agitate the, uh, the yeah. presence that's in there, which... You know, that makes sense. You know, my wife he lives there. People that, you know, I said, we're not here to, to cause a rift. But, you know, you're the one who has to live with this thing, you know. And, it, you know, us coming in can have some ramifications on whatever it is, you know, occupying this, your, your house and stuff. But the, but the Wonder House just looks like a haunted house. If you ever just look at it, you go, oh, yeah, that place looks like a haunted house, you know. And the story yeah. behind it is just, you know, the German. I don't think I heard one story said he never actually got to occupy. No, never lived there. He just yeah. kept building around. They lived in a they lived in a trailer like across the street the whole time. Yeah. So, and he had a lock system. And I remember the gentleman showed me. He opened up the 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 bottom grate that had the water, and it was flooded. <laughs> and he says, "We don't go any. Nobody goes down there." I said, "I don't know who would go down there." You know. <laughs> And yeah. it, you know, and the smell that came out—you know—it was, you know, the, the water yeah, took, definitely was an unsafe. Yeah, it took Crislin a long time to clear that out, and even now, it's 
you know, we were there during dry season and it goes, it's, it looks like something out of uh, the silence of the lambs where it puts the lotion on its skin. You know? <laughs> oh, it is. It is. Well, when we went, there was water. In it. And oh, yeah. uh, I remember me, me and his son actually had to lift it up because the gentleman lived there. You know, it was old, uh, older gentleman stuff. Because yeah. he said that's the lock system they used to flood uh, the water out of one pond into his pond. Mm -hmm. And I guess the mechanism no longer worked anymore. It was all oh. rusted and crap and all that. Because I asked him why he didn't have water in his pond anymore. And he explained it to Yeah, me. it's all cemented in and it's mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah, it's one of the previous owners decided to cement it in he, and stuff. He's, yeah. the yeah, he's the one that filled the, uh, the, the mirrors no longer worked anymore. Yeah, he filled system. the drain system. Yeah, Porker's lens have to deal with a lot of that. And uh, yeah, I think he's... Uh, you know, when his son told me they had doors slamming on them and stuff in there, and I was like, you know, I know why. You, you've you been really destroying this this house, taking away some of the magic that this guy really put into it. I have a question for you. Is there anywhere you've been that you won't go back to? Hmm. I don't go back to. No, there's no places I wouldn't go try to go back out to. Is there any experiences that you had? I mean, you've had a lot of life experience and being in the military for as long as you were, you've seen a lot of things, I have no doubt, right? But is there anything that really like surprised you or shocked you that you saw? We were um, with my family over at Jupiter Lighthouse in Jupiter. Ooh. And we had gone up to the top and my... Uh, my wife's mom couldn't go up because of her knees and stuff. So she said, I'm going to send it out. You guys go to the top. Well, we got up to the top and all of a sudden we heard somebody coming up the stairs. So I look over thinking it's my wife's mom coming up. And she's, I look over and she's still sitting at the bench at the bottom. And I said, well, who is that? And I'll go in there and I look and my, you know, my kids and my are looking in there. We can't see anything, but you can hear something coming up the stairs. So I said, oh, I'm going to go on down there and check this out. So I, I got to find it. You know, it's got to be a logical explanation why it's doing this. It's a wind. There's a wind. I got to go, you know, because my kids were getting spooked. Oh, I, you know, I think it's a ghost. Well, I'm going to go down and find out what it is. I go all the way down. You know, I go down and stuff. And the noise stopped. Whatever was coming up the stairs stopped. And I got all the way to the bottom. And I'm looking at the windows, pushing on the windows and all that. And as I got down to the bottom, my kids go, we can hear it coming back up again. And I'll look up. I mean, I could hear it. So I go running back up there. Well, I should say I tried to go run up. I got a little tired going up those stairs. Those, that's a lot of stairs. I think I, I think I got a little ways. And then all of a sudden it was walking and uh, uh, trying to get up there. <laughs> because my kids said they could hear it come all the way to the top and it stopped. They didn't want to want to, in fact, I got up there and they said, I don't know if I want to go down the stairs. I said, well, what choice do you have? You know, this is the only way to the top of this life. It's the fast way down, but yeah, you're going to walk away from that. And they said, well, you lead the way. And they did. They pretty much were right behind me going all the way down the stairs. They were, they were scared. Some, you know, they, yeah, I know a lot of people talk St. Augustine Lighthouse. I always say Jupiter Inlet, Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse, man. That thing, that yeah, thing we, is. Yeah. And we got over the gift shop and I went up because, you know, my kids are going to get something. And I, I said, uh, is this place by chance haunted? And the guy in the store, you know, behind the cash register goes, well, yeah, we've heard some stuff. I said, you know, because we heard something coming up the stairs. He goes, oh, you heard it? 
He goes, yeah, we've had some people. I said, we don't go jumping around, you know, telling people a lot of that. But yeah, we've had, we've had people see a, a person at the top, and you know, like you just said, we've heard people coming up the, you know, people have heard somebody coming up the stairs. And I said, wow, that was really, I mean, and it was, you know, because they, my kids said I, they could hear me coming up the stairs, and it was the same noise as what we yeah. heard coming up. So. And again, there was no wind or anything. Everything was closed up in there. And the fact that this, and the noise had stopped for a while when I went, when I was on my way down. So that was just, that was probably my neatest paranormal experience I think I've had, where we couldn't explain what it was. And everybody, I wasn't the only one that heard it, you know. Right, multiple witnesses. So look, we've got a travels for our travelers yeah. this episode, Mark. Yeah, we got the Wonder House. You can you know visit, and then you can also go down to Jupiter Inlet, and yeah, not too far from Jupiter Inlet, it's Trapper Nelson's Island, which we've discussed, and right across the way is uh, the Devil's Tree, Port St. Lucie. So ah, yes, the Devil's Tree. I've been there years and years ago when I read Charlie's book. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because Charlie Charlie was the one who brought that one to everybody's attention. So oh yeah, I mean Charlie, I grabbed his book and then I went out to a couple places, got torn down when I got out there out you know and it was torn down because of his book too yeah yeah the pope ash school a couple other places yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. They had all of a sudden his book and everybody wanted to come out there and said oh good excuse to tear the place down so it's a shame but it does happen well it's happened one of my books one of my places has been bulldozed so yeah it happens but there's still yeah. plenty of places out there florida i always call florida one of the best states to go legendary we have the cryptids you know I mean, we have uh, the Skunk Cape. We have uh, St. John's River Monster. Pinky. Uh, Pinky, which is also the Lake Monroe, which goes know, all the way down. Right? People realize how huge Lake Monroe is. Uh, we, we have uh, numerous places that are haunted all the way down to the Keys, all the way up. There's parts of NASA. Uh, buried treasure. Florida, I think, is the, uh, is the number one state that has the most buried treasure still out there. And... Um, we have the Spook Hill, the Gravity Hill over Spook Hill, which is not too far from where I live. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, we, UFOs, oh my gosh. <laughs> Getting going on UFOs, the Gulf Priest sightings. I mean, you know, yeah. like I said, that's one neat thing about living in Florida. You have it all. It's Guess all what there. we have now, Mark? What? Shameless self-promotion time. Oh, yeah. So, Robert, where can folks find you if they need uh, some instructions on legend driving or if they want to report to you something that you know might be worth a legend trip. Where do they get in touch with you? Well, I am very active on Facebook. I have an international legend tripper. I go every morning and I get on the internet and I go look for articles that catch my interest and I repost. Them. Uh, my books are available on Amazon and at the, by my publisher, Adventures Unlimited Press. Uh, both I have uh, legend tripping and international legend trip. Uh, again, they're uh, guidebooks that tell you everything you need to know. In fact, uh, uh, Doug Hycheck, the gentleman who produced and directed Monster Quest, when I get sent him a book, he said, "Man, you you, you did not leave any uh, stones unturned on there." I mean, I was impressed how much you put into this book. I mean, you answered every question that a person needs to know when they go out and look for this thing. Everything from where to go, where to look on the internet, safety. I can I love how you hit safety as an important factor out there. They uh, are illustrated. Uh, I was lucky enough to have some people. Ripley's allowed me to use pictures for free, which I really thought I was going to end up having to pay for that. 
uh, let me see. Uh, that's about it I can think of. I, I haven't had anybody approach me and not enjoy the book. Very cool. We were sharing the links in our podcast notes for our travelers. So how to gear up properly and go in search of legends. Did you hear what I said? In search of legends. legends I like that. Yeah, search that was well done. Well played. Well played, Erica. Thank you. Thank you. Robert, it was amazing meeting you. Yeah, it was nice meeting you too. It was a lot of fun as always, Robert. And folks, as you can send us listener questions and stuff, Shadiri Travels. And if you have a sighting you want to report, you can send it to me. And if you would like me to forward it on to somebody like Robert or something like that, please put in your notes. Hey, can we find a team? Can you find somebody you know interested in helping? And we were happy to forward on to these people. Uh, but with that, Erica, I think we are at the end, right? We we are at the end, but it was wonderful having you on. And we'll definitely have to have you on again in the future. This has been yeah, fun. And I'd love to come back on again. I had, I had a good time tonight. Good, good. Most most assuredly, we'll have you back. And so for those of you travelers at home, we've got your places to visit. You know, go pick up Robert's books and, you know, and learn how to do it properly. And with that, gang, be careful while you're out there. Keep your eyes open. Make sure you charge your phone, charge your flashlight, and don't go running into swamps unprepared. And with that, we'll see you on the other side.